Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. As we kick off 2022, let's seek more of God and a move of God together. How do we do it? With a renewed hunger to know God. Join us as we spend these first weeks of the new year realigning our heart with God's, understanding the purpose of prayer, and walking in the power of God. All right, well, today we are wrapping up our series. Today is the final part of the series we've been doing called Pray First. And uh, this is a, a simple series we've been doing about trying to get our lives centered around a statement. We would all say, we would all say it. Most of us would say, of course that's true. But we've been trying to take it from our heads or maybe our mouths and get it to our hearts so that we can build our lives around it. And this statement that we've been using every time has kind of become our mantra. I hope it becomes your mantra. And that is prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Like we, we should be bringing God into our lives long before our car is on two wheels going sideways in the snow. Y'all know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. Like, God, I, I, I need you in my life before I think I need you. And we've been giving out these Pray First bracelets that we've been wearing all throughout the series, and we ran out because so many of you wanted them. The good news is we have more. So for those of you here in the building, pick one up in the lobby on your way out. I've built this series around our struggles with prayer. I thought that would be the best way. You know, we've all got some, some struggles. There's reasons we don't pray. And so each part of the series has been framed around something we struggle with. Uh, the good news, all of these are online or on the app. If you missed any of them, go back and get it. Uh, but the first one, we started the series with the struggle of, I don't feel like I know how to pray. A lot of people would say, you know, I don't know. I kind of start talking, and about 30 seconds later, I notice squirrels out the window. I'm a little distracted. I can't stay on track. I don't, I don't really know what to do. Just, uh, hey, God, what do I do now? And, and Jesus' disciples seem to have a little bit of the same concern. So they actually said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And so he did. And we learned that's a model that we can use in our own lives. Uh, one of the questions that's been brought up from people in their life groups talking about this, uh, I, I just want to point out, there were seven parts of how Jesus taught us to pray. We looked at that in part one, and, and I just want to point out, you don't have to necessarily do those in order. When you walk into your house from work, you don't, you don't have to have a strict order of, okay, husband or wife first, uh, next is the dog, next is the kids, no, no, kids, and then the dog, and I have to, no, 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 look, there are seven things that Jesus taught us to do in prayer. Don't get caught up on the order. Second part of this series, we were looking at the struggle we have sometimes. Just like, is God even listening? Y'all know you pray sometimes and you're like, I think I'm just talking about myself. I don't think God's even listening. Well, here's the truth. Sometimes God is listening. Sometimes he may not be. Turns out the Bible actually shows us there are times that God closes his ears to our prayers. If you'd like to know what that is and make sure that that's not happening in your life, go check out part two. And uh, then for the third part of the series, we looked at the, the, the struggle we have to believe that, that our prayers work. I mean, so many times we just wonder, does prayer work? We ask God for something and we don't get it, right? And so we, we wonder, what is the formula and we know there is no formula for turning God into your magic genie that he does exactly what you want the way you want as soon as you ask for it. You, there is no formula. But the Bible does give us principles for prayers that gets God's attention. So that was part three if you missed that. Today, the last struggle that I think we have with prayer, which might be the biggest for some of us, I've kind of been working up to this one. I, I think it could be the most significant for many of us is just the simple question, why pray? Why? I mean, we all know the truth, right? Every single one of us has prayed for something at some point and you didn't get it. And the response was, well, you know, God knows best. 
And God has a will and God's going to do what God wills to do. That's the good news. God's going to do what is best for you. And I don't know about you, but as soon as somebody tells me God's going to do what God knows he's going to do, that God knows is best, I'm thinking, then why bother ask? Why bother pray? If God's going to do exactly what God wants to do, and if I ask for the wrong thing, he's not going to do it anyway, then why ask for anything? Why pray? Come on, is somebody with me? Am I not the only one here? And so our question for today is why pray? Why pray with the sovereign God on the throne? And so I'm going to tell you, look, I'm a theology guy. This is where I am. I, like, I, I've got to have straight, squared away theology. It's got to line up really well with scripture. I'm a Bible guy. And, and so I absolutely believe in God's sovereign rule upon the earth. I know that God is going to do what God desires to do upon the earth. He has a purpose. He has a plan. And, and nothing's going to get in the way of God carrying out his purpose upon the earth. And I have really good theology about who my God is. And that has damaged my prayer life more than anything. That didn't make sense at all, did it? It will by the time I'm done. Because we struggle to believe that God is sovereign, God is in charge, God is doing good, and at the same time that I need to talk to him about doing the very thing that he wants to do. It has caused me so many times to just say, I don't really need to pray for that. God wants to do that. I don't need to ask God to, to, to grow Grace Life Church because of course he wants to grow Grace Life Church. He started it. It's his church. He wants lost people to get saved and worship him. I don't have to ask him for that. He wants us to do an outreach. I don't have to ask God to bless us with the, the finances to do that outreach. He's the one that wants to do the outreach. Of course he'll send the money. Somebody says they're sick. I don't have to ask him to heal them. God wants to heal them, right? Does everybody y'all know how I'm feeling? And, and so this has really hindered my prayer life. And, and I just want to bring the whole series together. I told you earlier in the series that, that this series is coming out of my personal journey. Uh, God has been wrecking my idea of prayer over the last year. And I've been doing a lot of reading about prayer, a lot of, uh, of different understanding of prayer. And so the, this is kind of a, a piece along the journey. I'd like to say it's the culminating experience, but I'm not done. I've still got a stack of books I haven't read yet on prayer. And I've still got things that I know God is teaching me about prayer. But one of them is what I really want to share with you today because it's what God taught me is why pray? Well, there's a very good answer. And, and as good as my theology is, that God is sovereign, God is on his throne, God is carrying out his purpose on the earth, it turns out there was a piece of that theology that I was missing. And I want to share it with you. It's going to be on the screen right here for you. And that is that God has chosen to partner with mankind to accomplish his will on the earth. It's a decision he has made. God has chosen to partner with mankind to accomplish his will upon the earth. So he has a will, he's going to do a will, but God has chosen, God has decided that he's going to work with you and me in order to do that. That's how he's going to do what he wants to do. No way around it. You and I are part of the how. Let me, let me give you an illustration. Look, I, I will to have grandchildren. I will to have grandkids. That is my plan for my life. I'm going to have grandkids and my grandkids are going to love Jesus. And so that's what I will to do. Now, here's the funny thing. Uh, my wife and I, we had two children. And then we said, you know, honey, I've heard from, from some of our older friends how awesome the grandkids are. Like, they love their grandkids twice as much as their kids, you know, because just, I don't know, it's something special about it. Why do we have grandkids? We should have grandkids. So we decided we would have grandkids. And sure enough, when that kid came out, as hard as we tried, he was not a grandkid. He was kid number three. And we thought, man, I don't know what we did wrong. Everybody else gets to have grandkids. Let's try this again. And sure enough, once again, as hard as we tried, it was not a grandkid. It was kid number four. And here's my point. I am doing my part. 
I'm having children. My wife is having children. We had four in case someone does not want to cooperate with my will to have grandchildren. I've got options, right? And I've taught my children to love Jesus. And I'm teaching my children to teach their children to love Jesus. I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for my children's children. But having grandkids is not something I can do without a partnership. No matter how much it's my will, I cannot do it without a partnership. Now, a real important caveat right here for everybody to understand. For me, I use the word I cannot. That is not true for God. It is not that God cannot do absolutely what he wants to do at any moment. It is that God has chosen to bring you and me into the process. God has chosen to partner with mankind to accomplish his will upon the earth. And if you say why, a very simple thing. Because God loves you and he wants you to be valued as a part of his creation. If you've ever done something with a young child, like when I was, when I had younger children, like when they were three or four, I would be doing something and like maybe hammering in something and one of my sons would come and go, Daddy, can I do that too? Have you ever watched a two-year-old try to hammer in a nail? But man, they feel so important when they get to be a part of it. Even if it took them 30 minutes to move the nail that far, there is value to their life at that moment. And God chooses to give value and meaning and purpose to you and me to include us in carrying out his purpose upon the earth. Matter of fact, just in case you think, well, you know, Jimmy, that, that sounds interesting, but I don't want heresy. So what I would like to do is I'm going to show you three examples in Scripture. I could show you a, a hundred examples in Scripture, but none of y'all want to be here for the next seven hours. So I'm just going to give you three. I'm going to give you three different examples of the kind of thing God says, this is what I want to do. This is my will upon the earth. And yet, he won't do it unless you and I partner with him. Here's the first one. It starts back at the very beginning, actually. Genesis 1. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over creation. God wants the earth populated with humanity. He says, multiply and fill the earth. And he could have made a million or a billion humans, but God made two. And he said, it's on you now. I've made you, all the grandkids are up to you. The great kids are up, great grandkids are up to you. The great, 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 great grandkids are up to you. I made you guys. And then he says, subdue the earth and rule it. Bring my authority upon the earth. God did his part. He made Adam and Eve in his image. He gave them a heart to know his will, to carry out his will. He told them the one thing not to do, everything that was his character. The Bible says he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. Can you all imagine what it was like to be the first non-sinful humans walking in a garden talking with God? I mean, someday we just, we just get so upset with Adam and Eve. But here's the point. God simply chose, yep, right now I could speak and there'd be a billion humans. But I am choosing to partner with you to multiply and fill the earth. Right now? I could simply do whatever I say, but I am choosing to bring my rule and my authority upon the earth through humans. Matter of fact, if you ever get sick of reading the news, you ever get frustrated with our world and you say, what's wrong with it? That's what's wrong with it. What's wrong with it is that God has chosen to partner with mankind to bring his rule and his authority upon the earth. And unfortunately, not every one of the 8 billion people upon the earth want God's rule and God's authority. And you and I live in that battle. But that's a whole other sermon for another day. So I'm going to keep going. From the beginning, God has chosen. Y'all get that? That was Genesis 1. From the beginning, God has chosen to partner 
with mankind to accomplish his will upon the earth. It's clearly his will that it's multiplied and filled. It's clearly his will, but it's going to take a partnership. Let me show you one more. The Bible tells us that God wills all men to be saved, all of mankind to be saved. Here's an interesting thing that Jesus told his disciples. The harvest is plentiful. Okay, so let's get this straight. God wants everybody to be saved. And there's a lot of lost people that are ready. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus, seriously, that doesn't make sense. God wants everybody to be saved. There's lots of lost people ready to get saved. So don't, uh, just tell God to send them out right now. Why, why does God, why, why do you tell us to ask God, pray that God would send out the laborers. Why do you tell us to ask God to do what God needs to do, to do what God wants to do? Why do we need to ask God to do what God wants to do? Very simply, I'll give you an illustration once again. I want to take my family on vacation. I will to take vacation. It's, it's great. I would love to take vacation. I'd love to see the smile on my kids' faces. I'd love to take them new places. But if we get all the way through the year and I've spent all of that money on a vacation and, and then I've had to deal with all of the kids uh, whining and complaining and fighting over who gets what seat in the car in order to take them on this trip. And, and if we were to skip one year and nobody ever says to me, Dad, are we going on vacation? I would think, well, maybe it doesn't matter to them. You see, even though I want to take my family on a vacation, I would actually love for them to go, hey, Dad, where are we going on vacation this year? Oh, well, let me tell you about it. I've got such a great plan for you. I just want to know that they also want what I want. And, and there's another piece to this. Prayer is the centerpiece of God's partnership with us. God wants lost people to be saved. The lost people are ready to get saved. The harvest is plentiful. There are laborers. We just need to go do our job. And Jesus didn't say, so go tell the laborers to do it. He said, pray that God would do exactly what God wants to do. Just partner with your father. Just, just go to your father and say, I, I have the same heart, God. I, I, I pray that people would get saved. I pray that we would do our jobs. I pray that as believers, that we would go out and share our faith. God, would you, would you help us to go out? And, isn't that a crazy thing? God, would you help me to do what is in my heart and in your heart? Do you know how many times we intend good and we don't do good? Sometimes we do actually pray, God, God, would you help us to do what you want us to do, that we want to do, that we know should be done? Would you help us to do? God wants us to partner with him. Prayer is one of those ways. I'm going to show you one more. And this one's going to hit close to home. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. I'm going to make some of y'all uncomfortable. But the reason that I'm sharing this one is because this is the one that convinced me. I told you I've been doing a lot of research on prayer and I, I was going through a whole book of a guy trying to convince me of all the things God says in the Bible. He won't do it without our partners. He won't do it without our partnership. And then he said, and there are preachers who preach this one. And I'm one of those preachers. Here's what the Bible says. Let me, first, let me ask you a question. How many of you would love to be financially blessed? Come on, I need to see some hands. How many of you would love to be financially blessed? Do you know what the Bible says? That's what God wants for you too? It is. Here's what the Bible says. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Wow. God wants to pour so much need in our lives, so much blessing in our lives, there's no need that we could look at our lives and, and use the word abundance, like need is in the past. He wants to pour down so much blessing that there is no need. He goes on to say, I'll rebuke the devourer. God, that is really cool. I don't have to get into a fist fight with the devil. You're going to do that for me. Wow. Blessing until the point I, I can't even see how much abundance. And then, and then you're going to rebuke the devourer. You're going to deal with the devil for me. 
And then he says, then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. That's what I want for you. I want you to be blessed. I want the devil to leave you alone. I want everybody in the world, else in the world looking at you going, it's got to be good to be a child of God. Look at them. That's God's will. It's clear in scripture. That is God's will for you. Don't use your hands. How many of you would say that's your life? Well, because there's a partnership. What stands between what God wills for us financially and our experience? Our partnership. See, the first part of that sentence, if you noticed, it started with ellipses. says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then he goes on to say, see if I will not bless you. See if all nations will not call you. Here's the deal. As a pastor, I have people all the time. This is a big issue in our lives. It's a big issue in in our our modern world because we want everything bigger, newer, fancier. We just love money. We love things that we can buy with money. And so, you know, we're we're going to fill out prayer cards here in in a little bit for what we want God to do in our lives this week. I'm just going to tell you the truth. A, A majority of these cards, every single time, we've been doing this for a decade now, will say, Pray for me and my financial situation. Pray that God will bless my finances. And I, I, I have a hard time with that prayer sometimes because I can't actually pray that. What I do is I say, God, bless their finances if, if you can. And again, I don't mean that he's not powerful enough, but I mean, he has said, the only way I can bless you is if you honor me. If you don't want to honor me, I can't bless you. The verse I didn't read to you was the one that comes before that that actually says, you're cursed because you're stealing from me. You can't be blessed and cursed at the same time. That's a whole other sermon series I need to do sometime, but you have to choose. Do you want to be cursed or do you want to be blessed? You've got to pick one or the other. And so when somebody says, will you, will you pray for me? If they ever say it to my face, they'll say, Pastor, we're going through a hard time. Will you pray for our finances? I always look and go, are you tithing? And I can't tell you how many people have, have had, an, had an awkward moment in front of me. Because they don't like when the pastor says, are you tithing? And I'm not asking for grace life's sake, and I'm not asking for my sake. But they'll say, well, uh, no. I said, then no, I won't pray for you. I said, you, you are essentially asking me to pray that God will bless you for disobeying his word. You're asking me to, that would be like somebody walking up to me and saying, pastor, would you bless my Google search as I look for porn? Pastor, will you pray that the police are slow tomorrow as I rob a bank? I cannot pray God blesses you for disobeying his word. There is a partnership. Whatever God wants to do in your life, we have a part to do. And I know that this is on prayer, and in a moment it sounds like I'm talking about finances. I'm not talking about finances. I'm just talking about the partnership. And maybe that'll help some of you, because maybe some of you, your biggest prayer need is that you'd stop being broke. Okay, here's the truth. Maybe you don't need to spend as much time praying that God will bless you for disobeying. You just need to obey. But that's a whole other finance series. So I'm just going to move on, and we'll get back to talking about prayer. Here's the point. I told you I'd show you three examples. Here's my three examples. God has a will and a purpose for the earth. God has a will and a purpose for humanity. God has a will and a purpose for you. And he has simply chosen he will not do it without us. There are things he is saying, of course that's my heart. Of course that's my will. Of course that's my plan for you. Of course that's what I created you for. But talk to me about it. Because the centerpiece of our partnership is prayer. The centerpiece of our partnership with God is simply telling him, God, I want what you want for the earth. And so what I'd like to do as we close out the series, I'm going to show you the four types of prayer we do to partner with God. And so that when you are talking to God, you will... You'll be able to say, this is what I'm doing right now. You'll know. It helps you to 
to succeed at something when you know what you're doing, right? And so I'm going to show you the four types of prayer where we partner with God. And if you know which one you're doing, it's going to make it a whole lot more effective. And so the first way that we partner with God, the first type of prayer is connection. Connecting with God. You see, if you remember, Jesus started out teaching his disciples, our Father in heaven, connect with God. Because, don't miss this, the first and most important part of God's will for you is simply to be with you. The first and most important part of God's will for you is to be with you. That's what heaven is about. Heaven is not about golden streets and floating on clouds and having coffee with angels. No, heaven is about perfect creation and perfect fellowship with your Father in heaven. Heaven is about getting back to the way it was. That's why I already said he walked in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. He, he designed us for Connecting with him and relationship with him. That's why he's father. That's why we're children. That's why we're brother and sister. It's, it's all about that connection. And without a communication, it's just not going to be there. You can't have a relationship that does not come without communication of any sort. So look, I've got a friend about, uh, that wrote a book on prayer. And I read this book as a, a part of my research for this series. Or When I say research, I always do research. The truth is this series has just been about Jimmy's personal prayer discovery. And so I just read a lot of books on prayer. And I, so I was reading this one, read that one, read that one, and they're all talking about something. And then my friend wrote a book, and he said the opposite. My friend wrote a book centered around this statement. There is no power in prayer. Now, how many of you have heard people talk about the power of prayer? Who in their right mind writes a book on prayer and starts it out with, there is no power in prayer? And I thought, my friend is an idiot. <laughs> but I did finish the book, and I now think he's genius. He uses an illustration in the book that I'm going to share with you, and that is of a car key. You see, ultimately, a car key is utterly and completely powerless. This key can do nothing. What this key does is give you access to power called an engine. You see, prayer has absolutely no power. What prayer does is connect you to the all-powerful one, El Shaddai. A beautiful quote that I came across in this book is this. Prayer is the highest order of business, for it links a powerless human to the creative force of God's sovereign power. There's no power in prayer. There's power in the one prayer connects you to. And that is why the first partnership that we have with God is simply connecting with him. Matter of fact, the other three will not matter if we do not start with God connecting with you as the most important partnership I have. Being your son, being your daughter, and you being my father is the most important partnership that I could ever have with you. If, if you'll allow me, I'm going to be a little transparent with you. And I'm going to read to you from my journal. As I was doing research uh, for this, again, I was able to, you know, just type in the word prayer and make your computer find it anywhere you've ever written it. And so... Uh, it turns out that about eight years ago, I wrote in my prayer journal, uh, apparently I've been very slow to, to catch on to what God was trying to say to me, because when I first saw this, I was like, that's awesome, and then I realized I wrote it eight years ago, and I went, ooh. So this is what I said. I need to talk to God more than I need to do anything, period. This is my revelation. And it's not just because I'm a pastor or a preacher. He's my creator. He made me for this time 
in place with a purpose. How can I live that effectively without talking to him constantly? It's like trying to run a play without talking to the coach about what the plan is. It's like trying to build someone's dream house without talking to them about their dream. Not only is he my creator, he's sovereignly ruling the world. How can I live in this world and succeed without talking to the one in charge? It's like a friend who comes to me and says, I've invented a new board game. I know the rules. I know how it works. I know how to win. And I respond by saying, great, I'll play it without talking to you. Not only is he my creator and not only is he sovereignly ruling the world, but he's my father. How can I have a meaningful relationship without talking to him? Try that with any person on earth. The relationship will fall apart. Eventually, I'll stop even calling them a friend. I'll lose touch with them and ultimately go about my life as though they don't even exist. I need to talk to God more than I need to do anything. And about eight years later, I'm finally starting to figure it out. The second way that we partner with God in prayer is petition. Petition is where we simply talk to God about our needs. You need healing? It's petition. It's where we also talk to God about our wants, our dreams, and our hopes. God, here's what I would like to see you do in my life. It's simply called petition. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He's the one that wants to meet your needs. The Bible literally says, whatever you need, go, go and present it to God. I want to, to point out the, the importance of saying with thanksgiving. You know, one of the things that is so good for our heart, not only is it good for our heart, it's the best way to ask, is when we recognize the good things God's already done. It is so easy for us sometimes to say, God, I need this, God, I need this, God, I need this, God, I need this, without ever saying, God, thank you for that. God, thank you for that. God, thank you for that. And it really is great for your relationship with God to say, God, I, I, you know, before I ask you for that, I just want to... I'm just looking at my life. I just want to say you are a good God. I just want to count your goodness. You know, before I ask you for this job, I want to point out that I've never, I've never had lack. I've never been in such and such a need. And you've always taken care of me. You've always blessed me. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're going to do it again. So, God, I do need this job. But I just know you're good because you've always been good. God, I thank you for my health. I'm sick again, I could use some healing, but you've always healed me before. So God, I just want to tell you, you're a good God. I thank you for what you've always done in my life. I'm telling you what, thanksgiving is so good for your own heart and your own perspective towards God. And, and if there's anybody in the room, especially parents, you really get it, or maybe business owners or whatever, when, when people say thank you, you're so much quicker to give out something new, aren't you? You know, I mean like, when, when my kids come downstairs, what's for dinner? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> but when they're like, hey, dad, thanks for pizza last night. Sure, what do you want tonight? I mean, it just changes everything. And, and although we're sinful, we are made in God's image. So maybe there's a little something we could learn from that, you know? So, petition is how we partner with God. To bring his will for our provision upon the earth. The third one is intercession. And this is simply where we pray for other people's needs and other people's uh, uh, desires and wants and whatever God's doing in their lives as well. If we're, if we're asking God to heal somebody, we're interceding for them. 
If we ask God to, to, to uh, give them a job that they think they, they need in their lives or they do need in their lives, then we're asking God, hey, we're interceding for them. Whenever we are calling out for God, for a, a friend to be saved, we're interceding for them. Intercession is when we come before God and say, God, do this for someone else. And, and this is so important for you to know that just this topic of intercession, I've read books just on this one point, and, and you could too. And there are people that actually have the gift of intercession. There are people that their spiritual gift is they, they're just waiting. Please, pastor, give me a name of somebody because I'm going to go get on my knees for three hours. And I look at them like, you are weird. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, no, seriously, I thank God for them because we can't all have that spiritual gift. We all have different, but there are people who do, but hear me, even if it's not your spiritual gift, we are all still called to intercede for the needs of others, for the needs of our world like for our government, the Bible tells us to. It doesn't, and in the Bible, I've shown it to you in this series, it doesn't just say intercessors with a spiritual gift pray for your leaders. No, 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 it tells all of us to pray for our leaders. So the difference is intercessors may do it for three hours, you may do it for five minutes, but we are all called to pray for our neighbor who is not following Jesus. We are all called to pray for a friend who is sick. We are all called to pray for whatever God wants to do upon the earth. I really wanted to do an entire part of this series just on intercession so that I could, I could teach all about the importance of it. I, I, I just didn't have time for that. There's just so much to say about prayer. We could just do a, a year-long prayer series. But I want to point out things that honestly, are, I think the, the modern churches lost a little bit. Things that used to be really big 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that now you hear very few Christians still doing. And they're intercessory things like prayer walking. Has anybody ever heard of prayer walking? Prayer walking is where you actually walk. Like through a neighborhood. Down a city street. And used to churches would partner with like police departments. They'd say, tell us the, the neighborhood in this city that has the, the most crime rates or the, the unsafe place where, wherever. And, and then people would go and they would prayer walk those, those streets over and over and over. Saying, God, move in this neighborhood. Or they would go and walk around schools. God, move in this school. God, do something here. And, and you also, by the way, can prayer drive. <laughs> prayer driving is, there's sometimes in neighborhoods you want to prayer drive instead of prayer walk. But, but it's called interceding on their behalf. And, and I, I think it's a little bit of a, a lost thing. We've just decided, well, whoever those few people are with the gift of intercession, let them do. And, and the entire body of Christ has stopped praying for God to move in their government, in their city, in the neighborhoods, in their schools, in their businesses. Intercession is when, when we're doing these things. Matter of fact, the founding pastor of Grace Life, his name is Jerry Daly. And uh, he started Grace Life at 65 years old. And, and he's now retired and he's 80 years old and lives up in the mountains. And so since he doesn't preach every weekend, he's decided his new calling is intercession. And he and I talk almost every week, at least every other week, where he says, tell me how to pray for your kid. He knows my kids by name, of course. He's known them for a long time. But he's still like, okay, what's going on in Christian's life? What's going on in Nate's life? How can I pray for Caden this week? And he takes a two-hour hike up a mountain, same mountain every single day, two-hour hike up and down a mountain. He calls it his prayer mountain. And every, every day, two hours of praying for people. He, he doesn't get to stand on the stage and preach anymore, but he said, until I'm going to heaven, man, I'm still, I got work to do. Praying for other people, interceding. But God wills many things for the earth. God wills many things for this city. God wills many things for your neighbor. 
Intercession is how we partner with God to bring his will upon the earth. And the last one is warfare. And the truth is intercession is warfare. Matter of fact, the truth is everything that I've mentioned is warfare, but I wanted to put it in here last because I want you to understand when you sit down and talk to God, you're either connecting with God, you're either talking to him about your needs, petition, you're either asking for somebody else's needs, which is intercession, but you need to realize that all of prayer brings an aspect of warfare. Hear me. The devil hates when you connect with God. The devil hates when you bring God's will upon the earth. The devil hates that. And so when you choose to pray, when you choose to intercede, the devil hates it. It's warfare. And he doesn't take it lightly. The famous author, C.S. Lewis, maybe some of you are familiar with him, in his book, Screwtape Letters, which is a fictional look into the spiritual world, there's this little part of the story, I'm going to share it with you, and the story is fictional, but the point is not. And it is of an experienced demon named Screwtape teaching a novice demon, Wormwood, how things work. And here's what he says. Interfere at any price, in any fashion, when people start to pray. For real prayer is lethal to our cause. When you pray, you are declaring war on the kingdom of darkness. And of course, the kingdom of darkness will retaliate. But I'm not scared. Because the king of kings sits on the throne of the, king of God, the kingdom of God. And he has already defeated the kingdom of darkness. So I would encourage you. Don't be worried about the devil being angry with you. You might feel it a little bit. But it's okay. Consider it a badge of honor that you've gotten the devil's attention. And you are bringing God's will upon the earth. So this week is our week of prayer and fasting. And every time that we do this... We give you an opportunity to tell us how we can be praying with you. That means you write your petition on the card and we intercede for you by what you write on the card every time we come together. Did y'all get that? Well, here's the thing. Every time we do a week of prayer and fasting, some people are like, okay, here's how you can pray for me. Thanks. See you next Sunday. And what I'd really like to do, and I hope this message has moved us towards this point because I've it's been my heart, this whole series, to get you to a place where you understand why prayer and fasting matters in your life. That you understand why it matters for you to not just write something on the card, but to, to pray, to be involved. So let me close by sharing this with you. It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Many of you know it. It's out of Jeremiah. And God says, for I know the plans I have for you. I do. I got plans for you. And they're good, actually. I know the plans I have for you for welfare, for good, not for evil. No, 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 no. That's not the plan I have for you. They're good plans. Yep. To give you a future. To give you a hope. Those are my plans for you. So, you'll call upon me. And when you call upon me, you'll come and you'll pray to me. And guess what? I'm going to hear you. God has a plan for you. It is good. God wants to do probably the very same thing you want him to do in your life. But the centerpiece of our partnership is prayer. It's the craziest thing in the world, isn't it? God, 
Why do we have to ask you to do what we want you to do that you've already said you want to do? Can't we just shortcut all that? And God says, no, no, no. Because when we do, you and I don't stay connected and, and then, well, you really have no value. You just go sit in the corner while I run the world. No, no, no. I made you in my image, the top of all creation, so that you can partner with me, so that your life has meaning, has purpose. So yes, this is what I will for you. I will to heal you. I will to bless your finances. I will to heal that marriage. I will. I will. But I need you to, I need you to pray. I need you to tell me that you will. That your heart is my heart. I'm your father. You're my son. You're my daughter. I, I need you to tell me that your heart is my heart. It's just what I've chosen to do. So as we go into this week of prayer and fasting, I'd, I'd really like to encourage you. Yes, write your needs on this card. Yes, we'll pray for you. But maybe, maybe you'll see something different in your life. If you're, you're willing to take a little time, fast, pray, say, God, I, I want you to do what we both want you to do in my life. So if you would right now, I'm going to give you just a minute. When you came in, there was a card on your seat. If everybody would, take that card out. It's anonymous. Unless you want us to know, you're welcome to write a name on it, but you don't need to. And take just a minute. Write on that card your petition to God. If God came and walked up to you right now or sent an angel to you and says, what do you need? Tell God the number one thing you want him to do in your life. Write that down on the card. Your petition, because we're going to intercede with you every day. Every time we come together, beginning Sunday night with our worship night. Take a moment right now. You're welcome to keep writing out. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. God, we thank you so much that you're not just running some great puppet show, but that you created us and allowed us to be a meaningful part of everything you want to do on the earth. God, we thank you that you are sharing your heart with us, your will, your desires for the earth. God, thank you for giving us insight into why pray. Thank you, God, because now we understand. Now it matters that we pray even for what we know you already want to do. And we just thank you that we get to be a part of it. We don't just have to sit back and watch or wait with frustration, but we get to be part of what you're doing upon the earth. If you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I'd like to take a minute and speak to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. As I said earlier, the number one will that God has is to be connected to his children, to, to have fellowship with them, to walk the streets of heaven. And unfortunately, sin has separated us from him. But once again, in God's will, he sent his son to die for you so that his death would pay for your sins. And then he raised his son from the dead so that he too can raise you to eternal life. It's what we call the free gift of salvation. And once again, we have a part, and that is to say, thank you, God, for that gift. Jesus, will you save me? If you've never done that, I want to help you do that right now, wherever you are. Simply say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, 
I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. My prayer here today, would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning, partnering with you in your kingdom. Amen. Would you help me celebrate with those people, everybody?